Welcome to the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. And just when you thought that all hope was gone, a new king of the north emerges. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. If you have been living under a rock in terms of Blue Jays news, well, I feel bad because you missed perhaps the best Blue Jays home run derby performance and perhaps the best home run derby performance within the past 10 years. And we're going to break every single bit of Blue Jays news down. Joining me tonight to discuss all things Toronto Blue Jays is Craig Borden of the Jay Bird Watching Podcast. Dude, it's been a while. How are you, man? I'm splendid, man. After the other night, how could we not be riding high as Blue Jay fans? Just a little bit more than we usually are. Yeah, you know, it's like we needed this, I feel. Like this this year has been, dare I say, disappointing, and it's been a little downtrodden. But when you have a performance like that and a talking point like that, and especially after the Kawhi Leonard uh, departure for the Raptors, you know, the city's kind of down. But when you have a performance like that from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in a home run derby, you have to be, you got to have high spirits after that as a Blue Jays fan. 91 home runs, Adam. That's all I have to freaking say. <laughs> I, how are you not as a Blue Jays fan after the all-star game walking around with a little like, that's right. We got Vlad Jr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, is that we've touched on this numerous times it's it's crazy to think that he's just still so young and may, dare I say a bit still raw like there's still some maturity and I'm not talking attitude I'm just talking like in a pure baseball sense there's still a little bit of maturity there's still a little bit of untapped potential that we haven't seen from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and this home run derby performance was literally a sneak peek of that. And we're going to break this all down, the ramifications of it and how we think he's going to carry this moving forward. But as a just as a pure baseball fan, do you think this was the best home run derby performance that you have ever seen? Honestly, this is on level when I actually was physically at the 1996 All-Star Game Home Run Derby. Mind you, think 1996 yeah. since Vlad Sr., uh, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, peak of the steroid era, man. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the 500 level at the vet in Philadelphia with my brother and my parents. And we're just in awe, just dumbfounded by how far these guys are hitting the damn ball to watch last night on TV. I was, I couldn't even sit down. It was just insane. Every time Vlad jr. Stepped into the box, watching him be all into it. John Schneider just laying freaking beach balls for yeah. him to be just smashing out of the ballpark. It was insane. He literally took and made the city of Cleveland his home for this week. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, I think in terms of an entertainment aspect, like in terms of the moment and watching a player sort of unfold and come of age. Um, the last one I can remember was Josh Hamilton. Now I know Hamilton had been in the league for a while, but the recovery story about being an addict and whatnot, and then putting that on that performance, I want to say it was in Yankee stadium that he hit it like, was. yeah, like 22 or something in a round. And he's mouthing like, this is awesome. And you can tell that he's full of joy and that he's really fallen into his own, um, in terms of an individual performance, this is the closest that I've seen to that. And I think, in fact, that it surpasses that. I think the funniest thing about that point that you just laid out right there is the fact that prior to the home run derby, I don't know how close you were watching Twitter or not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the, the Texas Rangers actually tweeted out of the video of that home run derby with Josh Hamilton crushing it in that round and said, good luck beating this tonight, boys. And what is Vlad Jr. doing? It's first at bat, not only matches, but breaks yeah. <laughs> the record for a single round in a home run derby. Just beats it. And then he tops it, uh, you know, by tying it again. And the fact that Jock Peterson was even in that conversation, I'm still dumbfounded by the fact that what happened and transpired, and I'm still wrapping my head around it. He matched a guy that not only, you know, broke it the first round, but 
did the same thing the second round. He somehow hung in there, hung tight for t- what three tiebreakers? Three. And, yeah. And took, yeah. Again, insane. Yeah. And you know that's that is something that I think that baseball has sorely missed. Um, we're gonna break down the ramifications of not just this, but like where the state of baseball is as well. But in terms of a spectacle for Major League Baseball to put on. Um, this was definitely what baseball needed. You know, like, it could have been anybody. I'm glad it was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. As a Blue Jays fan, selfishly, I'm, I'm happy about that. But th- literally, this could have been anybody. You insert player X and have a three-tie breaker performance. It's just like nail-biting, right? And even if you didn't have a horse in the race, much like, you know, you and I did have a horse in the race here, but if you didn't, if you were just a fan watching the Home Run Derby, there's no way your eyes are peeling away from the television. You're still watching that. You're, you you want to see who's coming out on top. And when is the last time, honestly, Craig, when's the last time that you have been so, like, glued to a home run derby before because usually in terms of the all-star game I can take it or leave it I'm being honest like the game doesn't count it doesn't really matter the home run derby's fun um but otherwise like it's it's kind of like an off day for me but this was must watch television and I feel like this is something that is going to maybe not entirely but in in some sense it's going to bring the gravity back to major league baseball I don't know what you're watching, but uh, the celebrity softball game is where my jam is. I love watching meatloaf pitch every year. <laughs> so I'm just saying it's on too late, Greg. It's, yeah, I know. I don't even, I didn't even watch it this year. I was pissed. I went, I recorded it, but it was still the end of the home run derby that went on during the quote unquote recording window on TV for that. But, right. um, the, um, I, I, how do you not get into this? It's the, the fact that, like you said, it could have been anybody and it could have easily been anybody on this roster of eight players. And honestly, who got the biggest bum rap is the fact that Matt Chapman still rattles off 18 home runs. And it wasn't even a freaking in the contest at all against Vlad jr. And he gets thrown in last minute and is the number one seed against Vlad jr. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no reason in hell he couldn't have rattled off, you know, more than that. Uh, I honestly think there's the, that was the first time that the father son matchup thing kind of came back and bit one of them. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause uh, Harper won it last year with his dad pitching to him. And you know, it's, it's just fun seeing Alonzo win. Like I have no problems with that. Um, Vladimir Guerrero just looked gassed at the end. Like his swing is so violent and so pure, but you can tell he's trying to put on a show and he did. And like, I don't take anything away from it. He did. Um, I know you, me and, um, Brendan talked about this on your show a couple weeks back, and I stated that I was nervous about the outcome of this. Like, win or lose, what is going to happen to Guerrero's timing, his hitting in actual regular season games? And that's sort of what I want to transition to. Do you have any fear that uh, Guerrero's timing might just be a little fucked up because of this, or do you think he's such a pure talent that no way he's got it? He'll be fine moving forward. I think it might be a minor tweak, but okay. I don't think it's anything to the point where he's going to be writing off or it's going to be like the slow start he had coming into the mi- the majors, I mean, from the minor leagues. I honestly think that this is going to be the, he lit the candle. The swag is back. This is the stuff that I got to see all the years and all the minor league stops that I happen to follow Vlad Jr. with, man. You saw it when he was with the Fisher Cats. You saw it last year with the Buffalo Bisons when they happened to be in Pawtucket. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So this year too. Yeah, exactly. So when he's on and he's acting like he was at the end of that home run derby, just full on emotion in the game, there is nobody more fun to watch than Vlad jr. In baseball. And maybe with the exception of Mike trout, but he plays it in a different way. You know, he plays it like Ken Griffey jr. I think is a great example of how Vlad jr. Goes about the game. You can tell he's loving every minute of this, regardless of how he plays. He's always got a smile on his face, but now he's got that step to go with that. And he's going to be, like I said, strutting that stuff all over the Rogers center. I think for the rest of the summer, do you think that a performance like this and the confidence that you're describing is something that's going to be contagious amongst the other players on the team? And I'm not saying like because of this home run derby performance, all of a sudden all these players on the Blue Jay are going to perform like all stars or we're going to have a surge to the wild card or anything. I'm not, I'm, I don't want anybody getting it twisted here. But in terms of the confidence, in terms of the, the positivity and the optimism in the clubhouse, 
in terms of reflecting on the season. Do you think that this is going to create more of a lighter mood in the in the locker room when Vladdy is exuberating this confidence and that swagger? And do you think that will bleed onto players like Lourdes and Cavan? Do you think this is something that will be contagious? I think a winning attitude is a hundred billion times percent infectious. This is like the plague through a locker room. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter who kicks it off, how it starts, whatever it is, but it's the don't fuck with a winning streak kind of idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. it's, and it, it doesn't matter how it starts. Like I said, this could be the thing that lights the candle on this whole thing. And the blue Jays end up having a very nice run to finish the season off and finish strong to run into what could be still a very good 2020 season. And I just think this is one of those things that enthusiasm breeds more and more confidence. And if you have somebody like Vlad doing what he's doing on a daily basis or just exuding that confidence. There's no way that somebody like Kevin Biggio doesn't go, man, I want me some of that. Right. <laughs> you know, and he has that little extra edge that one day. And you know, that might be the day he comes out with a two run bomb or something like that. And I honestly think it's only going to continue to watch this team climb upward. As we've seen Danny Jansen building up his confidence lately, obviously Loris Gurley L jr. Has been a freaking force. It's going to be fun to watch. I think the end of the season, Adam, it's like I said in the beginning, this is a great thing for, for blue Jays fans. And you know, the, the topic of, you know, superstars and well-known names around MLB has been discussed on various sports platforms. Like I, I know Yahoo had an article um, and I'm not sure they were specifically talking about Mookie Betts, but they were saying, like, there's a reason why people in the sports realm don't know the name Mookie Betts. And it's sort of like a smudge against Major League Baseball. I think a performance like this, I think a home run derby like this, whether it's Pete Alonso, whether it's Jacques, whether it's Vlad, it doesn't matter. These names are now sort of highlighted. And I think that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. himself, and Pete Alonso being rookies, did Major League Baseball such a favor by highlighting the game, right, and showing how fun it could be. So I kind of wanted to get your take. Do you think this is going to, we touched on how it might turn around their respective teams or specifically with the Blue Jays, but do you think this is going to brighten the perception of baseball in general in terms of a casual audience? If Blue Jay, or if, um, if Major League Baseball doesn't find a way to capitalize on those two after this moment, they've seriously dropped the ball, man. This is like not even just an error on the field. This is an error to lose the World Series if they somehow <laughs> screw this up. <laughs> this is between the legs. This is Butler, right? Butler, oh, right so between on, the legs. So yeah. on. <laughs> it's exactly like that. And the fact that these two are both very young, very talented, and they're just class acts, a little bit of different sides of the coin. You know, Pete Alonso strikes me more as the Ted Williams type to Vladdy being the Willie Mays kind of style, you yeah. know, that he goes out there and leaves it all on the field where Alonzo is full on the regular everyday structured Cal Ripkinish kind of like mentality where he goes out there, thanks everybody, has a great game, puts it all out there in a different way, I guess is the best way of saying it. But the fact that those two are so young and on teams that are up and coming, uh, yes, sorry, Mets fans, you're back in that category. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I just, it, I, if you're not capitalizing on guys like this to push your sport forward, I don't know what you're doing. If you, you're missing out on a Ken Griffey Jr. like kind of mentality and players and the fact that they've even dropped the ball on Mike Trout the Mookie Betts of the worlds over the last few years is slightly ridiculous. Just a little bit, right? And you have these circumstances in which the door is wide open for Major League Baseball right now. And I think when you have players that are marketable to different like niches, right? Because you look at a player like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think you described it well with Willie Mays and Ted Williams. These two individuals couldn't be any different but that sort of unity in the fraternity in baseball was definitely embraced by the two of them. And you can tell that they were happy for each other, right? And I think that is something that baseball needs to capitalize on. I think that they need to highlight these young stars while they're young so they can sort of groom that mentality and groom these names into the casual fans' 
membrane, for lack of a better way to put it, and to really capitalize on this because these could be generational stars. And I think Vlad would take the cake a little bit more than Pete Alonzo. I'm not trying to disrespect him, but the tools are more prevalent with Vlad. Um, Alonzo strikes me as the guy that's going to be David Wright. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good He's call. He's going to take that franchise by storm. Yeah. And in turn, New York City. And I hope it steals a little bit of the Yankees' thunder. Sorry, jealous. Yeah. No, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I agree. And the Major League Baseball would be doing a disservice not just to these players and not just to the franchises that they play for, but for themselves as a business. Like right now is the time to strike. And while baseball is going through, I don't want to say this lull period, but there's definitely a, a lack of eyes watching the game and right now they have to do everything they can and if it means having players come out that are much more relatable and much less stoic than what we're used to i don't consider that a bad thing at all i think the thing that strikes me perfect for major league baseball to market somebody like vlad is he's not tipping into the end where he's completely tim anderson <laughs> yeah. where he's putting it to the point where it's a little rubbing it on the old school people a little bit but then he still has enough of the swagger and the fun and all that kind of good stuff to be going on right without rubbing anybody the wrong way. It's a very nice, marketable way of doing things. And I just think Vlad Jr. is going to be something that Blue Jays fans are going to be very, very happy about. And not only to just have, call him, he's going to be the face of this franchise for years with a heck of a collective group around him. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's move on from that. Um, I do want to talk about some excitement when it comes to Major League Baseball as a whole. Right now, we are semi-approaching the trade deadline. We are recording this Thursday evening on July 11th. And in terms of the Blue Jays, there is a lot of chatter when it comes to Marcus Stroman pretty much being on the docket to being traded. So much so that he himself has seemed to come to terms with it, saying that I've accepted, and this is like not a direct quote, but he's more or less said he's accepted the notion that he is not part of the Blue Jays' long-term plans. This may not come to a surprise to a lot of people, but it's definitely coming uh, under scrutiny to certain fans of the ball uh, of the ball club. So I kind of wanted to get your take. Do you think Stroman right now is as good as gone? And do you think that the move is either necessary or worthwhile for the Blue Jays to pursue? I think it's right now is a strike while the iron's hot movement. Just as much for the Blue Jays as anything else. But I do not see him moving for anything less than a very, very nice package. Adam, this guy is one of the guys that's probably one of the better pitchers on the you know, trade block right now. Right. I really would be shocked if Noah Syndergaard actually goes anywhere, you know, and he's the big name all of a sudden out on the trade market. Um, Madison Bumgarner. Okay. Yeah. Great. You know, he was really, really good in the playoffs a few years ago, but I'm kind of in the, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Park with Madison Bumgarner. Um, Marcus Stroman is young. He's under control for an extra year versus a lot of these other guys not being so much in that category and Syndergaard is going to be a lot more expensive, even currently with his, whatever his arbitration salary is versus Marcus Stroman. Do you think the Syndergaard thing is just as a result of the, the dismay that is being uh, exhibited in the Mets clubhouse and amongst that franchise right now, when they're just sort of grasping at straws and saying he will probably be better off somewhere, or are you sticking to your guns and say, there's no legitimate possibility that they're going to deal a Noah Syndergaard? They're going to want nothing short of the King's ransom for him is the catch. And I just don't see, I don't see the Yankees turning around and offering the in-town tax to get something like Noah Syndergaard back. So that automatically drops you down to some really good organizations. Don't get me wrong, but they're smart about their young talent in the twins, Padres, so on and so forth, you know? So those are the teams that have been linked to Marcus Stroman all season long. And they're also apparently kicking the tires on possibly packaging him with another Blue Jays guy that's very highly rated on the free agent market here in Ken Giles. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've read reports that the Yankees uh, are pursuing that or would like to pursue that. But the problem is, is, and this is where I don't necessarily disagree with the logic from the Blue Jays, I think they'd be better off trading them separately to accrue a much higher value. In other words, like say Minnesota or even a Boston, right? Boston is in desperate need of bullpen help. Uh, would like to cough up something for a, for a Ken Giles. Um, I think the Blue Jays would be better off t- 
taking separate trade offers to maximize their return in order to have a more robust system moving forward. My only catch on that whole thing is the fact that the Blue Jays do not have to trade either of them. True. So that's the catch. And I think that's what even packaging them together will still get you a good, the equal or very damn near close to return. Because the fact is the Blue Jays can go, you know what, screw it. We could be good next year. Mm-hmm. And they could be. It's that close. They got all this young talent coming. You could have Ken Giles anchoring a bullpen for a very, very young pitching staff next year. But do you see the Blue Jays operating under that philosophy? Because from what I've seen, it doesn't seem that they they like to hold their chips, right? If if the Josh Donaldson deal taught me anything, it's that when they think it's the time is right to trade away a player, no doubt about it, no fucks given, they're trading that player. And if the return isn't what they or fans would ideally like it to be, it doesn't matter. Their time is up anyway do you foresee a similar situation with marcus stroman my problem with the whole marcus stroman thing right now has been the years of handling him funky to begin with so how much of a taste does he have in his mouth and he's like you said he's kind of almost mildly mentally checked out a little bit right so right now he's playing for himself more than anybody and if that's the case i don't know if i want him coming back and that's nothing to deter him from I've, i'd love to keep him back so nobody freaking blast me on twitter and troll <laughs> me <laughs> but anyway i just think that it's one of those things that i think right now his value to the blue jays in general is better off not in their own dugout when it comes to a potential return for a marcus stroman what do you consider to be realistic because you're right he is still young um, he's a he's a good ground ball pitcher. I don't think by any means on a contending team he's anybody's ace. He's not. And I know that might strike the heartstrings of some Blue Jays fans out there, but realistically, Marcus Stroman is not an ace. He's the Jays' number one pitcher. That needs to be clarified. Um, so having said that, what do you think the, the return could be? For instance, if we're going to trade him to the New York Yankees, do you think Frazier is too much for the Yankees to give up for Marcus Stroman? I think the Frazier idea with the Yankees anyway represents a similar issue to what the Astros just did with uh, Trent Thornton coming to the Toronto Blue Jays. It okay. has a, it's a position of strength, right? Even if the Yankees lose Brett Gardner and Clint Frazier at the end of, or before the end of the season and after, they still have outfield depth. They still have, you know, we can put Giancarlo Stanton in left and move everybody around, and it's fine. You know, it's not the system is not broken. They need pitching. You know, somebody's got to pitch around James Paxson and all these other kids, and especially with Severino being eh, all over the place right. and the, the injuries that have been piling up, and Masahiro Tanaka being almost a wild card lately. I can see why the the Yankees are very very intrigued with the, the idea of bringing in somebody like Marcus Stroman to stabilize the middle of that rotation, and but in the midst of that, Clint Frazier also, I don't know if you've been watching him too closely lately, but he's been making some serious miscues in outfield, not Teoscar last year level, but still to the point where it's questioning some of my outfield ability with him. Mm. Plus I'm wondering if I'm seeing how Anthony Alford's playing right now in Buffalo. And if I'm not even shopping for an outfielder anymore. That's what I was going to say, because it seems like left field was this void position until almost accidentally Guriel just took it over and ran with it, right? And you can examine Hernandez and say, an upgrade could be used there, but we do have Alfred in the system. And Graychuk seems to be stable, at least for the foreseeable future in this franchise. So there's your outfield right there. I'm just trying to figure out if there's really a need for a Clint Frazier in this organization and and whether or not that'd be a little redundant at this point because the name of the game right now for the Blue Jays in terms of their youth and their prospects is pitching. They desperately need some pitching, right? And I know people are all gung-ho about Pearson and I don't blame you at all. I don't. And you can throw out names like TJ Zoic as well. I get it. But I don't know that just these arms alone can really stable the rotation moving forward. And you can throw a Barucky in there and say Trent Thornton is somewhat part of the future as well, but that doesn't strike me as stable. I could really use maybe one high-quality impact arm in return for a Marcus Stroman, and honestly, I just don't see a team giving that up. 
My biggest thing with all that you just said there is the fact that we still can't trust Aaron Sanchez. Yeah. If he's coming out and pitching halfway, I have him or Stroman I can choose to keep and build a rotation around. Right now, I'm almost in the idea that I can't even know if he's going to be halfway, even what he's doing right now. It's a complete wild card. So if you're building the team for the future right now, who do you have in your rotation for next season? Matt Shoemaker, who is currently out for the rest of the season. Um, Brian Brucky is going to be pitching tonight, like we were talking about in Pawtucket with the Buffalo Bisons mm-hmm. on his rehab start. That's two guys. Okay, what do you do after that? Trent, Trent Thornton's going to yeah. be one of them. And then it's, it. com- it's a complete wash of everything else after that. You still don't know how you're going to work with Sean Reed Foley. And you're not going to figure that out before the trade deadline. And then after that, it is a slew of about the same mediocre arms until you get to the top prospects like Nate Pearson, who's just godlike. And then the Adam Klobensteins that are really far down the line or the guys we just drafted and Alex Manoa. <laughs> so yeah. you got, I think you got to inject somebody in that middle of the ballpark, at least getting to the double A level from that trade from Marcus Stroman. And I'll take a guy that's two years off down the road. If he's somebody that looks like he could be a really good starter. Somebody has at least a two or a three guy. And I think we could get that from the Padres is my biggest lean. Yeah. Yeah. I fiddled around checking out other people's systems and a lot of the names strike me like I like them, but I'm still not exuberating the the amount of confidence that I would if we just extended Strowman. Like I, to me, there's there's reasons to trade him away in order to get some sort of value into the system. But with so much money coming off the books next season and for the foreseeable future, I'm finding hard. I'm finding it hard to find reasons not to extend him. And I know this front office isn't really that keen on spending a lot. But if Marcus Stroman is genuine in his uh, his feelings about wanting to be a part of the Blue Jays organization moving forward and wanting to be in Toronto, I'm finding it hard to figure out reasons why they just don't extend him. No, and I can agree with that too, but uh, I think so much of it is the fact that right now, I think if they needed that extra arm, they'd rather go spend on somebody random and see what's else out on the market and hope these young kids continue to turn into like what we think Nate Pearson's going to be. I think that's where they're moving. And I just don't know how Sanchez or Stroman fit into that. Yeah. To be putting it blunt. I think that there, this focus on this team is literally we will spend all the money when we know we're ready. And I don't think they think they're even close. Well, I think they're probably 50, 60% of the way there. What do you think? In terms of like being ready to compete and to ready to spend? I'd say, yes. yeah, I'd say just about that. Um, maybe one more down year until they really put their foot on the gas and say, okay, these kids are developed enough. They have developed a stable platform for each other and and a stable offensive and defensive platform minus uh, pitching. And that is the area that we're willing to to trade or to spend on. I think you're seeing one more down year, quote unquote. Or at least another year of um, we should push 500. Right. (laughs) Right. I I just think that they're they they they're that one key arm in their minor league system that it, somebody to step up or somebody to be picked up on a trade, you know whether it's the you know Yasni Diaz and Patrick Murphy's that are in New Hampshire right now if they if they took a giant stride this season which it looks like they are maybe this is a different conversation come September yeah. and maybe with these rookies and whatnot that you know are currently in the system and then if you think about that if those couple of little random things hit before the end of this season. And then you throw somebody in from a Marcus Stroman trade. You've got a lot more to play with. And I think that's where they're right now. They'd rather line the cupboards with, you know, like their freaking hurricane, like, you know, preparations. And then hope the storm blows over. And, and then they could always trade everybody after that if they needed to, once all these pieces are lined up on the chessboard, Adam. But right now, I think they're so much happier hoarding all these young arms. And I think that's what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we shouldn't just pigeonhole it just to Marcus Stroman because there are other decent, if not solid, trade candidates on the Blue Jays right now. More, so much so, in fact, I don't know if you caught this, but um, I'm, I, I'm a frequent to MLB trade rumors, and I'm sure you are too. Um, 
they had a nice article today about how Eric Sogard is like the face of the MLB trade deadline right now. Like the value for him is is so well regarded because he's contributing on the field both offensively and defensively and that contract is just so sweet. So I kind of wanted to get your take on that. Besides Stroman, do you consider players like maybe a Freddie Galvis or an Eric Sogard? Do you think these players are for lack of a better way to put it uh, disposable in a way of the trade deadline that can retain some sort of uh, bullpen or some sort of young arms for the system. Do you think that is a possibility? I should say. Yeah, I I really really think that the two of them are going to gain some major interest come the major league trade deadline here. And I think I think that intrigues me the most about Eric Sogard is the fact that he's the 2019 version of Ben Zobris coming up. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, <laughs> you know, but nobody knew about Ben Zobris. The Rays <laughs> fans didn't know about Ben Zobris. <laughs> but then again, yeah. there had to be Rays fans. <laughs> uh, so, um, but in all seriousness, it's amazing. And I, I just love the fact that he can play anywhere. I, and same thing with Galvis to a good extent. You know, he can play anywhere around the, you know, infield and whatnot and be very, and he's been contributing very, very well with the bat and really somebody at the clubhouse is gathered around. If I'm the Blue Jays, I'm holding on to one of them. I don't know which one they're going to eventually hold on to. But with all these young kids coming up, having a guy like that, you know that you can just throw out there like Sogard. I honestly think he comes to the ballpark and just says, where am I going today, coach? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like sitting on the bench with us, you know, ready to go. And I don't know how big his back bag has got to be, but how many gloves do you think he carries around? <laughs> oh, God. Got to be more than three, maybe four. Got to be. Huh. The way I see it, he's like me when I played is like, go, oh, you're carrying a first baseman's glove, an infield, middle infielder's glove, your outfield <laughs> glove, double dips is a third baseman's glove. <laughs> you know, it's just insane. The only position he hasn't done so far this se season seems to be pitching and catching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's certain Blue Jays that have even done the pitching part that shouldn't have been either. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Look, you really. Know, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty much. Um, but look, like when you have a guy like Eric Sogard or Freddie Galvis, to me, Sogard, I think he's the guy you got to trade, right? Because not it's to the say the biggest that, surprise. Yeah, it, it's he is the biggest surprise. The contract is much more affordable for other teams, and mm -hmm. therefore it's much more attractive to other teams. But that Which aside, should make it that much more valuable too. Exactly. Yeah. But that aside, intangibly. I just like the influence that Freddie Galvis has on this team, especially for a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. coming up through the system. Having a veteran presence that can sort of speak your language, for lack of a better way to put it, mm -hmm. is valuable. And I think that the Blue Jays aren't blind to this at all. And, no. you know, this is not to take anything away from Eric Sogard at all. This is not to diminish his value as a player and a veteran presence on the bench. But I do think in terms of the return that you'd get, Eric Sogard being this utility player and that this this is no longer a small sample size. Like we can bank on this. this a have a season. Yeah. yeah. Have a season. It, it's yeah, pretty been, good. He is the MVP, in my opinion, of the Blue Jays' first half. 100%. 100%. 228 ABs. He's got a line of, what is it? Uh, 294, 364. Or am I looking at the right guy? Yeah, 294, 364, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Am I looking at the right guy? <laughs> yeah. An OPS of 842. That's pretty good. OPS plus of 126. That's pretty good. And it, if the Blue Jays can, as you said, get an arm in a system that's like of the lower tier, the mid tiers, like the, uh, the double A level for an Eric Sogard or even a single A level. I'm fine with that because then you you maximized your return when it comes to an Eric Sogard. Yeah, if I'm the Blue Jays front office for either of those two guys, I'm looking for in I'm diving through all the freaking minor league teams. I'm looking for a very live arm that somebody has forgotten about, and I think they has some really good ceilings still. Someone a la the Trent Thornton idea with Lesmus Diaz. 
Yeah. You know, somebody that's a little, okay, well, what do we do with this guy? Yeah, we don't know. And then a change of scenery is the lights out. You know, I'm not saying go grab Sakari's burrito. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's been a while since I've used that one. I had to use it. <laughs> I mean, he's, but, he's not playing that bad in Buffalo. No, triple A, but yeah. that's how he's always been. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting to be proved, but I, my, my jury's still out on his major league possibilities. But, but you could find a guy that's just trucking like 97 miles an hour, and that's all he's got. And in our minor league system, I think you could turn that guy into a highly toted reliever by the end of his career. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm very confident in our development and stuff for our minor league team. Yeah. And if you're getting a, a, that in return for a Galvis and a Sogard, uh, two individuals, at least one of which, Eric Sogard, that you weren't even projected to be on this major league roster, much less perform the way he has been, uh, that's house money right there. And if you can part with that, you're just you're maximizing your return. Um, but besides those two players, is there anybody else that you see on this team that is prime for trading on the Blue Jays end? I'm wondering if Luke Maley has played well enough to actually get aired out as a backup catcher for somebody. You think so? Somebody, somebody's gotten hurt. Somebody's got has to have gotten hurt in the and that's like, oh man, what do we do every like fifth day when our catcher needs a rest? You know, and not everybody's got Russell Martin sitting on the freaking bench like the Dodgers do. <laughs> I mean, Craig, he can pitch too. So he's been doing really well as a pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> and as long as he gets the fluffy man bun back, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's where Luke Maley lacks. He can't pitch. Even though he tries, can't pitch. Oh, yeah. Oh, but then I'm also wondering if, like, if Teoscar Hernandez has played well enough to get some additional look look at some team for a fourth outfielder. Mm. I really have been very excited to see what he's done when he went down to Buffalo and what Lourdes Gurriel Jr. did when he went down to Buffalo. I don't know if you've caught it. But watching the two of them, their swings are just enough different that has made some obvious huge difference for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Right. And I think we're still waiting to see the benefits from uh, Teoscar Hernandez refining where his hands happen to be when he starts his load in his swing. But that's the kind of credit that I'm talking about with the minor league system with the Blue Jays. Everybody was ready to write off Lourdes Gurriel Jr. The fact that we knew he couldn't play shortstop anymore was like, oh, yep, his career is over. Right. <laughs> and... He goes down, and if you look at what his swing looked at to start this season and what it looks like now, it's night and day. He's right in a, He puts himself in a position to actually hit the ball where he was not even close to getting to a ball in the same spot earlier in the season. And I think Teoscar Hernandez might be a couple weeks away from that. And he's been playing very impressive center field for somebody that couldn't even play left field last year. Do you think that the, the time is running out, though, to even maximize the return of a, on a Teoscar Hernandez? Like, I know what we gave up to get him wasn't really that costly, but obviously you don't want to get anything similar or worse for a Teoscar Hernandez. You kind of want to have a leg up on that. So do you think that he has time to prove himself to other teams? Or do you think at that point, if not, let's just hold on to him? I'm thinking to hold on to him. Mm -hmm. right now but if you happen to get a guy that was somebody was looking for a fourth outfielder and get somebody like we we got for steve pierce and santiago espinal yeah that is going to turn out very good for the blue jays and he's doing a pretty damn good job in new hampshire right now i just saw him <laughs> yeah i just saw him this past weekend he was uh i was up in new hampshire this past weekend i think i saw patrick murphy too um mm -hmm. i watched it from my hotel room isn't um, patrick murphy freaking sweet amazing, <laughs> i love dude. watching him pitch and i'm so glad i got to interview him a couple years ago <laughs> there you go yeah no he's amazing the the future is bright and anything that the blue jays front office can do to sort of stabilize the system even more especially in the in the pitching realm um i'm okay yeah yeah exactly this is the overtime podcast network all right, let's move on. I do want to talk about uh, the, the number one topic amongst players in baseball, or maybe arguably the number one topic in, in players in baseball. Uh, let's talk about these juiced baseballs. Um, the commissioners come out and said that they are not constructed any differently. Um, I'm calling bullshit. There's definitely something <laughs> up with these baseballs right now, whether intentional or not. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that there. I don't believe that Major League Baseball is intentionally fucking with the baseballs to make them launch so far and so often this year. However, the numbers don't lie, man. 
the the ball is different and pitchers have been coming out and saying it themselves like this, there's something different about the the baseballs this year. I think Verlander came out and you know called bullshit himself. Um so I kind of want to oh, get your take on Verlander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I wanted to get your take on that. Do you think if these baseballs are different and they are juiced, are we getting into that realm of the steroid era? Well, it's sort of cheating, but it's bringing more eyes to the game. It's kind of good. Like, where do you land on this? If you think they're being altered or juiced or whatever at all. Go ahead. Yeah. So I'm going to start this off with a little game that we played on our podcast (laughs) this week (laughs) called believe it or not. Okay. I'm going to lead off with a guy that I gave everybody else. DJ LeMahieu, 30 home runs, believe it or not. Bullshit. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This guy hit 300 perennially as a Colorado Rocky, mind you, he played in Coors field right. for a half a season for his whole stinking career. Never hit more than like eight home runs in a season. I think he's got 16 right now and was one of the biggest trade chips on my fantasy baseball team. Boom. There you go. <laughs> I think that, and I'm not saying it's just him. This is across major league baseball. Kentel Marte, who is a guy, another, another one, not to call too many people out here, but I never saw him as more than a 10 home run guy in a season. I, and I thought it was just because he was going to happen to hook a few around a few foul poles in the major leagues. But this is a guy that's also going to hit 30 home runs, right? I'm with Verlander. that something's going on here. That guys that are hitting home runs that don't have any business of being from the 30 home run club in a season are hitting 30 home runs. I think the exceptions are guys like Loris Gurriel jr. Who had the pop and had shown it in the Meyer leagues before the quote unquote balls have been tampered with. But the fact that, you know, all this is going on and then just magically major league baseball now owns Rawlings as of last June. Yeah. You're kidding me, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is something that I wanted to bring up. I'm glad you did. Um, That is just adding more fuel to the fire. And, you know, we have talked about it ad nauseum and it's not just you and I, it's like, almost anybody that is paying close attention to, to baseball in general. And we touched on it in the beginning of the show. The The attendance rate is down. It seems that the interest rate in terms of the casual fan is down. And watching a full game, if you're not a diehard fan, if you haven't been brought up to really love the game of baseball, it's getting harder and harder to sit through a full game. Um, so it wouldn't shock me at all if Major League Baseball is pulling out all the stops and saying, you know what? Uh, we need to generate interest into the game, and the only way we know how to do that is more home runs. Chicks dig the long ball, blah, 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 whatever you have to say about it. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Like, I, I understand that it's a disadvantage to the pitching, and I don't know, man, I'm kind of untraditional in the sense that I love offense. I love a good pitcher's duel. I love it, and it's great to see but I also love home runs and I love offense. I love triples. God, I love triples. I love triples more than home runs any day of the week. And if I can it's most see exciting play in baseball, exactly. Man. You know what I mean? Like it, if I can see more hitting and more offensive production, I get it. It's kind of like fuckery at that point, but I want this sport to thrive. Baseball's fixed this problem with attendance once before, and it was after the 1994 strike, right? How did we fix it? Oh, support steroids on it. More home runs. McGuire versus Sosa. <laughs> 1998. Yep. Guess what? Everybody's all of a sudden watching baseball again. So obviously they've already done all their diligence on making sure that steroids and other performance enhancing drugs cannot happen in baseball. How else do you attack the same problem? Oh, well, we know how to fix it. We got to hit more home runs. How do we do it? Oh, we can change the baseball. We own them now. <laughs> right. Right. It's not six degrees from Kevin Bacon screwy, huh? It's, it's, it's right there. <laughs> and, you know, this isn't something that, you know, unlike the steroid era, this is not something that you're going to have to face a grand jury about, right? You're not going to come face to face with Congress about this because th- this isn't illegal, right? You own the company that manufactures the baseball, and you, as the owner of that company, can mess and construct the baseball however you please. And I think that is a, this makes it sound almost dirty, but it's a nice little legal loophole that you can jump through and say, hey, we make the balls now. We can make them however we want. It just so happens it makes the ball travel further and higher and harder. Oh, well, it's good for the game. Like, I know it sucks for pitching, but at least it's 
in a way, clean. It's cleaner than the steroid era. Would you agree? Agree? Oh, 100% cleaner. There's no way. But it's just that same idea. It's like the Dr. Evil taking over the world thing. You mean if I oh, if I can make the rules, I can do whatever I want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does sound a little dirty at that point. But still, like, I don't know. I'd rather the balls being messed with than players' bodies and therefore their oh. longevity being messed up. Well, we see what it is in every sport. There's something that's degrading everybody's bodies and whatnot at post playing career, right? It's either the concussions thing, it's the steroids thing, it's the phetamine thing that's happened in baseball over the years too. It's a bunch of things. And this is the first like normal solution to a problem that they could have done. But I guess the question was the pro was there really a problem to begin with, I guess is where the actual moral ground lies. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just look it, it, on, on the other side of the coin. I get it. Like you, you look at players specifically like an Aaron Sanchez and the, the way the baseballs have been now constructed, this may have literally ruined his career, ruined his paycheck, ruined his wallet for the foreseeable future. That is the other side of the equation here. Like you may be, taking money out of pitchers' hands who had this natural ability to to just throw gas with control. And now that you're constructing these baseballs a little bit differently, whether the seams are a little flatter or the laces are, you know, stitched a little differently, mm-hmm. these things matter because these players, these young players that are in the system now have been pitching with a particular baseball all their lives. And now they have to mess with it differently. I don't know, man. That that to me is kind of fucked up flip side of that coin. That might be why you're seeing these kids that have been used to the ball coming up through the minors over the last year and a half are coming into the majors and actually doing well. Yeah. The Trent Thornton's and whatnot that are not, you know, (laughs) not underperforming or overperforming, but they're like in that nice ballpark where it's like, Hey, we know what we're doing. But I agree a hundred percent that if major league baseball admits to fricking playing with the baseballs, how is Scott Boris not diving on Major League Baseball with Aaron Sanchez is a perfect example. That's his damn job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're never going to admit it. So unless somebody actually full on does like a medical study on a freaking baseball from the last two years and goes to some like molecular level on how the fiber is different in each baseball, <laughs> then you're never going to do anything. Right, is this going to be one of those things? What are you going to do if it is changed? Like, there's no rule or or law that says a baseball has to be uh, made this way or else. Like, Major League Baseball is now in control of Rawlings, and they could say, no, we changed it, and we can. Like, what are you going to do about it? The only way that the players were able to do anything about that is it was something they were able to throw into the next collective bargaining right. agreement. Yeah. And if this does come out before that, I'm sorry, baseball fans, we're going to be in a fucking miserable time because <laughs> this is another nail in that coffin to what is looking more and more as these stupid stories keep coming out as the next baseball strike. Um, I do want to move on from that, and but yep. still sticking with the same topic a little bit. Uh, this is regarding the future and how baseball is trying to fix themselves, not just with the baseball. But I don't know if you saw on Twitter today, but yesterday being Wednesday, July 10th, was the first time a robot umpire was used in a professional game. Did you see this? I did not. Yeah. I'm going to have to go pull that up right now. All right. Well, I knew it was coming, but I thought it was actually in August that they were going to be doing it. No. So it's in the Atlantic League. It's an independent league. It was their all-star game. And the first pitch was thrown by Mitch Atkins, and it was called a strike and uh, by the computer, and the ball was sent to Cooperstown. Um, the Atlantic League has been experimenting a bunch with new rules since the start of the season, um, such as they've enlarged the base three inches on each side, they have banned mound visits in general and the shift, and requiring pitchers to face at least three batters. And moreover, for the second half of the season, they'll experiment with no pickoff moves in which the pitcher remains on the rubber, so he has to get off the rubber in order to do a pickoff move. Um, they're going to expand the drop third strike rule to all counts. Um, they're going to allow bunting players to foul off a second, uh, a strike two pitch before striking out. So you get one foul 
off a bunt on a strike two pitch. And uh, they're going to command the umpires to rule check swings in a, quote, batter-friendly manner. So this is pretty revolutionary in terms of what they're trying to do. Again, this is the Atlantic League. It's an independent minor league, so it's not like directly impacting Major League Baseball. But you have to imagine that they are paying very close attention to this. And if this robot umpire is successful, which it, in their credit last night it was, this is where the game seems to be trending. It breaks my heart a little bit, but when watching uh, certain umpires over the last few years ruining playoff appearances for us, I'm kind of okay with certain parts of this. Um, the fact that I can, I, I can get behind the strike zone thing, but some of those other things are just stupid and silly to me to a yeah. point. Maybe it's yeah. because I played baseball for as long as I have, and I love parts of the game the way that it is. The base thing I can understand a little bit, it gets around the idea of the... Um, they chase Utley rule a little bit, yep. right? We're trying to, it's like, you know, trying to give the base runners a little bit more room to get around the fielder without really compromising it too much. You know, okay, great. Make it two inches wider. I don't fucking care. Right, right. But when you get into the point about the bunts falling off and stuff like that, I want to see somebody swing the damn bat. I don't want to see them foul. Yeah. Strike one off on a bunt, strike two on a bunt, and then an extra one. No, yeah. the strike three, fucking swing the bat. <laughs> <laughs> so some of those things are just, it, I don't think they'll ever make it up to the major league level, but we are living in an automation level world. And I'm sorry, the, the robots are here to stay, people. <laughs> yeah. They're not going anywhere. And if I'm cutting the line probably at the strike zone thing, but especially when we have the checks and balances of instant replay and all the other stuff. I don't see robot umpires taking over for anything but ball and strike calls. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Like when it comes to calls at the plate and stuff, those things are already reviewable, right? And whether or now, uh, whether or not someone that is stealing a bag was out or safe, those are reviewable. We don't need uh, robot umpires in that regard. So when it comes to the strike zone, I do see a need for that to be at least disciplined. Like you see other sports like a, a shot clock or whatnot. These things are finite. They're fixed. They are uh, indisputable. And I think the strike zone can afford to have something like that. Um, these remaining rules, though, I, I think it's... There are some good and there's some bad. I do agree with you about the expanding the bases or enlarging them three inches on each side. That's fine. Like that's whatever. It doesn't really bother me. That doesn't take away from the game for me. Um, pitchers to face at least three batters. I can see the merit in that. And maybe controversially, and maybe you'll disagree with this. I'm okay. I'm not completely for it. But I'm not against the notion of eliminating the shift. I think that would bring back baseball the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I, do you think Tony Gwynn would be able to get as many hits as he did in his career in no a way. shifted world like this? Or no are way. we going to ever see Ken Griffey Jr. do what he did in his career? No. This is a completely different game than when we compare it to the, you know, the greats of the sport. You know, It's the fact that you're able to put that many people on the one side of the field just to feel the ball and the fact that nobody is really truly a hundred percent adapted to the idea of just being able to just oh fine that's what you're gonna do to me i'll go the other way with it and just get a single right it's the egos of baseball players i guess but i i do it in slow pitch softball i'm guilty of it too everybody does the same damn thing to me and i don't think about putting it in left or in right field i'm gonna hit the ball over the damn fence yeah <laughs> it's slow right. pitch softball <laughs> but um the other one that i wanted to make sure i mentioned something that no mounds visit thing at a major league level is slightly ridiculous yes yes well it depends like sometimes that can be abused like i understand if you get like I don't know, maybe one per pitcher per inning. I don't see that being as a detriment, but to remove it entirely, I think that's that's bullshit. I think they hit the nail on the head with what they've got right now, the mound visits, quote unquote. Yes. I uh, My worry is that I just know how people play this game, and we even do it in our freaking, you know, when we were playing in college and high school and stuff. It's just... I'm if I can have a chance to tip off the batter, if I pick something up, I'm going to freaking do it. And now if you got again, no chance for the catcher to come out and talk to the pitcher to agree and change signs there, we're going to see more home runs. We're going to be hearing more bullshit about the man in white in center field. It's going to be, 
insane. <laughs> uh, circa 2010. I fucking love Couldn't it. Help it. <laughs> popped in my head. <laughs> uh, well, look, in terms of improving the game, um, these things seem a bit egregious, at least most of them. But uh, as we've discussed, some of them have their their merits. I do. I, I think we are in agreement for we're trending towards this direction with robotics and technology. So a robot umpire seems almost inevitable when it comes to balls and strikes. Um, I want these calls to be correct. And of course, as a, as a Blue Jays fan, I want them to be correct in the Blue Jays' favor when necessary. I get it. But if I'm taking the good and the bad, I, I kind of want an objective lens about it. Um, other than the shift thing, I don't really care about any of these other things. They seem to be... Um, just changes for the sake of it and if major league baseball is obsessed with this notion of shortening the time of the game none of these things actually accomplish that in my point of view um and they should just stop focusing on shortening the game length and just focus on the product that they have to improve it for the viewers that they have um if you don't like baseball you don't fucking like baseball whatever like it it happens there are people out there that don't like basketball there are people out there that don't like football yes they exist shocking right but when it comes to baseball it, it seems like it's an acquired taste and i don't really see any of these or most of these changes really pulling in more eyes to the game in defense of what you just said, I watched basketball for the first time since Jordan retired this year with the Raptors. There so just go. saying, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, the only thing I can say, like I said, is the robot umpires. And the only reason I'm even in support of that is I am sick and tired of watching umpires ring up hitters on the last call of the game yeah. <laughs> and, uh, for what is a borderline pitch or, you know, Angel Hernandez in it. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, I just it, it I want a guy in the last inning of a ball game swinging. And if the difference is because of a fringe line pitch, I'd rather the computer make the right call than somebody that just wants to go home at the end of the night. Yeah. Yeah, true. Well, this is definitely where the game is trending, whether or not any of these rules make their way to the majors. We'll have to discuss them then. But otherwise, that's all I got for you tonight. Man, it's been a pleasure talking Blue Jays. Again, it feels like it's been so long, and the Raptors have pretty much consumed my life. So it feels great to, to be You're back. You're strangely and, okay with that, though. Yeah, a little bit. Like, you know, championship, <laughs> whatever. But it, it, it's, no it feels deal. great to be in that summer vibe, watching the Blue Jays again on the regular, listening to them while barbecuing and shit. You know the deal. Like, it's it's great. It's a great feeling. But um, having said that, you know the deal. The floor is yours. It is my understanding that you literally just dropped a new podcast episode. You can promote that where people can find you on Twitter. Craig, the floor is yours. Yes, you are 100% right. We did do another episode of Jaybird Watching with me and my co-host, Brandon Penicar. We had Jason Lee of Jay's Journal on, who has been a frequent of your show, I too believe. Yes, yes. Yes. So we have our wonderful group of podcast friends, and honestly, I'm very, very strangely okay with it. <laughs> so, But yes, uh, we're doing weekly episodes. We're hoping to do some other fun stuff. We actually have something very interesting coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend, the 19th and the 20th. Brendan Panikar and myself are actually going to be at the Buffalo Bisons game uh, together. It's going to be weird. I know. There you you go. Know, Canadian yeah. and Americans together goofing around, having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to actually do a pod from the stands. One of the games. We don't nice. know which yet. So we're just going to hang out there with me, my wife, and I, other Blue Jays fans that happen to want to come over and stop by. I'm going to bring my microphone. I'm going to walk around, and I'm just going to goof around. We're going to have a really splendid time. It is $3 Labatt nights in the right field. <laughs> and apparently it's Blue Jays weekend, so they're going to be wearing their powder blue Buffalo Bisons uniforms. Dwayne Ward is going to be in the house. And it's Vladdy Bobblehead Day on Sunday, the 21st. Ooh, that line's going to be long, man. Long. I'm thinking it's star wars camp out line night <laughs> <laughs> well look if you uh if you're bringing your wife and you're able to get your both of you are able to get your hands on one i highly recommend keeping one in the box for safe keeps because i have a feeling in a couple of years it's going to be worth something 
Oh, you mean when you make it up here for the, our Toronto <laughs> trip, you're going to be wanting to pawn it off me? I got no, it. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that, man. That's your future fortune right there. Well, I'm not, I'm not about that life. Yes, millions. <laughs> I feel like $100. <laughs> hey, 100 bucks is 100 bucks. You can do a lot with 100 bucks. So, um, but yes, that is the big thing going on at Jaybird watching that we will have another pod before that, but that's what's going on. And we hope that you can hit us up at birdwatching GC on Twitter. And if you're going to be in the house, either of those evenings, please find us. We will have a beer with you and goof around and have some fun watching Bo Bichette, hopefully before he gets promoted or knocking on desk <laughs> and he's still there that week. <laughs> Um, all the links to everything Craig just described will be in the description of the show. The podcast link where you can subscribe if you haven't already. I don't know what you're doing, but the link will be there if you have yet to subscribe. Uh, the Twitter link will be there too, and I highly recommend giving Craig a follow. But uh, otherwise, man, I hope you guys have a good time. Minor League Baseball games are where it's at. They're super fun. That is where you and I met face-to-face. We can attest to this. And uh, if there's ever a time that you're going to have an awesome live episode, a Minor League Baseball game is the time to do it. But otherwise, I appreciate you hopping on, man, and uh, we'll talk soon. Awesome, buddy. Appreciate it. And soon we'll be doing a trip together at some point in the future. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell, look, I have to make it through Rochester in order to get to Toronto. So it'll Boom. happen. <laughs> All right, man. Take Bye. it easy. Cheers. listening to the south of the six podcast don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at south of the six and subscribe to our show we're on apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher spotify yeah we're everywhere while you're at it if you liked what you heard do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review we appreciate it thanks again go jays and raptors